And he sat right in front of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he asked various questions. He asked about what is Iman, what is Islam. So Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave the answers, what is Iman, what is Islam. In reply to the question about Iman, the various aqaid and beliefs were explained having belief in Allah, in His messengers, in His angels, etc. In the question about Islam, the various ibadats, the fundamentals of Islam, salah, zakat, etc. was explained. But then he asked a third question. Now this is the point that we need to focus on. Iman, everybody understands that this is the foundation of it. There is no salvation at all without Iman. The Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala describes this in very clear words. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعْمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ بِقِيْعَةٍ يَحْسَبُهُمْ بَمْآنُ مَعَهُ Those who commit kufr and then they finally leave this world of kufr. So they may have done some good things in the dunya, but this is where sometimes people get confused. And we should be very clear about this fundamental issue, there should be no confusion. The confusion sometimes people have is that the person did many righteous things in the sense that charity, he was very charitable, he helped people a lot, he made many sacrifices for his community maybe, for his people, for his country. All these good things a person did will always go in vain. So the clear answer is that in the Akhirat, if a person has not gone to Akhirat with Iman, then without Iman, nothing will be of any benefit to him. In dunya, while he is in this world, Allah Ta'ala will give him the benefit of whatever good he did in some way or the other, but he will finish off in this world. There won't be anything that will be of any avail to him in the Akhirat without Iman. And this is what Allah Ta'ala mentions in this ayat of the Quran Sharif, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those who commit kufr and then they finally leave on kufr. All their actions are like a mirage in the desert in terms of the akhirah. They would have already received the benefit in dunya. Once one pious person was on his deathbed and he desired some fish so somebody now, he was very ill, 
So somebody went to go and catch one fish for him. So that pond in which this person went to catch the fish or that river or whatever it was, there was an angel deputed to keep the fish away. He came back without any fish. There was another person who was a very sinful person. This believer wanted to eat some fish. He was also on his deathbed. There was no fish in that place where somebody went to catch the fish for him. The angel was deputed to take one fish and put it in there. And the fish got caught and this person was fed that fish. There is a pious person, he is also desiring the same thing. He was deprived of it. This person is on kufr, he is desiring the same thing. It was not apparently there, it was provided for him. The angel very surprised. So the reply that came was that this person, he is leaving the dunya with this little further regret, so to say, that he didn't get to eat something he desired, but that regret at that time became a means of some forgiveness of his sins, became a means of his stages being elevated, because he got, he didn't get something he wanted, so he felt some hurt, some pain maybe, so that became good for him. This person, there was some good deed that he had done, but there was nothing for him in the akhirah, so that was given to him as a last, that this is also what you desired and you got it finished, end of it. For a mu'min, there is life beyond death. Life doesn't end, meaning the be all and end all is not this world. Everything that he desires, this world is too small for him. A kafir has got nothing in the hereafter besides the calamities that will come upon him. So he gets his desires in this dunya. But a mu'min, Allah has stored it for him in the akhirah. The little that comes in dunya is very, very minute. It's no comparison to what is taught for him in the hereafter. So in any case, this is something to be very clear about, that without Imam, there is no benefit in the hereafter. Imam is the most fundamental thing. Allah says that those who go with this belief, that actions are like a mirage in the desert. A person from far away sees water. But there is no water. When he gets there, he realizes no, there was no water. It was just a deception of my eyes. I thought there was water. When he gets there, it's totally the sand. Likewise, if this believer thinks that he's going to benefit this and that and the other, when he gets to the akhir, there's nothing for him. When he gets there, He will realize there that everything has been compensated in dunya. So that's the first thing, Iman. That without Iman, there is no salvation hereafter. That's the foundation. So we, every mu'min understands this much. Together with that, we understand the fundamentals of deen. We talk about the pillars of Islam. We hear about it. So this is also something that is well understood. That we have to be fulfilling our ibadat. Every person, every mu'min understands that his five time salah is compulsory. He must perform his salah. Zakat, perhaps somebody might not be still aware that Zakat is necessary upon him or how to discharge correctly, but we all know that there is a fundamental aspect of being known as Zakat. Hajj comes, people know that, okay, if he has the wealth, Hajj is compulsory. So there are 
several aspects in terms of ibadat that every mu'min knows about. Some things you might be, some people may be neglecting. Some may not have the full knowledge of all the details because of the lack of Islamic education. But generally, every mu'min is aware of these things. But this is where most people feel that deen ends off with this. Alhamdulillah, I have Iman and I'm performing my five times salah. Somebody is giving his zakat correctly, on top of that he's even giving a lot of charity. Somebody is performing hajj every year maybe, or umrah every year. And together with that, over and above this, perhaps somebody will be making a lot of tilawat of the Quran sharif. Somebody will be uh, making some zikr also daily. Somebody will be engaged in some other activities of deen. But this is where we, the more of these amal that we do, we regard ourselves as complete mu'mineen, believers, and that there is nothing further for us to do apart from continue with this. And the more we continue with this, then everything is done. Whereas, Iman and Islam were the first two questions that Tiri Islam asked Nabi Islam about, but then there was a third question also. And this particular incident that took place, this took place right at the tail end of Nabi Islam being in dunya. Shortly before he had left this dunya and moved on, this happened at that time. And after this incident, after Tiri Islam left, Nabi Islam then sent the Sahaba, please call him back. They went to look for him, they couldn't find him anywhere. Then he came, he came back, Nabi Islam informed them that actually that was Jibreel Islam. And Atakum yu'allimukum deenakum. That he had come to teach you about your deen. So to teach you about your deen, so the whole, the summary of deen was all presented. Just as Surah Al-Fatiha in the Quran Sharif is the summary of the entire Quran Sharif. There's a lot of details in that how, how can this one Surah, Surah Fatiha, be the summary of the whole Quran Sharif. So that's a whole subject of his own. But likewise, this Hadith, Hadith Ibrahim, is regarded as the summary of the entire Hadith This is known as Ummul Quran, and that is known as Ummul Sunnah, the root of the entire Sunnah. So in this there are three questions, not two. And this atakum yu'allimukum deenakum, this deen comprised of all three components. So there was Imam, there was Islam, these aspects we all generally understand. But he didn't finish off them. There was a third question, and this is also a fundamental component of deen. Nabi Sallallahu described this as atakum yu'allimukum deenakum. So for example, a person has got Iman, but he doesn't perform any Ibadat. Everybody would understand this person's deen is very deficient. He doesn't come to one Salah, he doesn't even fast in the month of Ramadan. So he regard him as a very, very deficient mu'min. Yes, he has Iman, Alhamdulillah. That is the greatest wealth a person can possess. But there is great deficiency still in that Iman. That it's not driving him yet to perform his Salah, to fast, to give his zakat, to perform hajj. So likewise, a person who has iman, mashallah, alhamdulillah, he has ibadat in place, 
is performing his salah regularly, he's fasting in the month of Ramadan, he's giving his zakat, he's on top of that giving charity, he's making nakhil salah, he's making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, he's doing all these righteous actions, he's performing hajj and umrah, he's doing work of deen, he's doing many things, alhamdulillah, tumma alhamdulillah. But if that third component of deen is not in place, then this is still deficient, and very deficient. And what was the third question that Tibri Salaam asked Nabi Salaam was Mal Ihsan. What is Ihsan? Now just as Iman is the foundation and on top of that Islam is necessary, meaning the external forms of Ibadat, without that we regard this person's deen as very deficient. Likewise is the aspect of Ihsan. If Ihsan is missing, then Deen is very deficient. And this Ihsan is actually the soul in the body. If the soul is missing, then lifeless. And this Ihsan is actually the soul. Because this Ihsan actually goes to the root of Iman itself. Just to understand this, what if a person has the external form of salah? MashaAllah is performing an excellent salah. Performing a salah, the ruku is, some, the duration of his ruku is perhaps what time he takes us to perform the whole salah. His sadda is longer than that also. And his qiyam, MashaAllah, what can we say? And all the good that can be done into making that salah perfect, everything is in place. But, why is he performing such a wonderful salah? Coincidentally, he just noticed from the corner of his eye that there is somebody in particular standing a few lines behind or sitting somewhere in the back. That is a person who he intends proposing to that person's daughter. So now he intends sending one proposal on today's time and he noticed this person is watching him. So now he suddenly never performed the salah like this his whole life. He's busy performing the salah for, not for Allah Ta'ala, for the proposal. That this is part of the packaging. The proposal is getting packaged in a very beautiful salah. So this kind of salah now, because the objective of the salah has become the proposal, Nabi Islam says, Man the person who performs salah merely to show somebody, to impress somebody. What has become the salah? He is performing salah, which is the greatest ibadah. That salah has become shirk. Man The person who is performing salah merely to impress people, that salah has become shirk. Can you imagine? Now, but that ihsan, now what is ihsan? Ihsan is the the soul. That way every action is done only for Allah Ta'ala because the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is to the highest way a person is every moment conscious Allah Ta'ala is watching, Allah Ta'ala is away. Everything I have to do for Allah alone. Now when that is missing, he did the salah for some other purpose, some other motive. That salah became shirk. Man sama yurai faqad ashraka billah. A person is fasting. The fasting is such, only Ramadan, everybody has to fast. The Nafil fast maybe. So 
So now he's performing that Makil fast, but the fast is something nobody even knows about, who's fasting and who's not fasting. But he needs to now start making it known somehow. So how must he make it known? Please bless everybody, today is a summer's day, it's a long day, and it's a Nafil fast. He will, out of the blue now, suddenly start talking about, feeling very tired today. Today, by mistake, I woke up for Seri a bit earlier. The alarm, I set it for 4 o'clock, by mistake, instead of setting for 4 o'clock, I set it for 3 o'clock. So when I woke up for Seri, it was already, then only I realized, I was talking about, by mistake, the alarm, but the whole idea is, that I'm fasting. Don't just take me for granted. So he's exposing this in a very subtle way, like a person now, the whole day now he's very tired. Why? Today I woke up with a hundred bit longer, uh, earlier. So, okay. Tiredness he's expressing is actually to, I wake up with a hundred also. Don't just take me to be, you know, your shoes. I'm somebody else. So all these very subtle ways of exposing it is actually showing it all. Nabi Salaam is saying this fasting which was for Allah Ta'ala was supposed to have it for Allah Ta'ala when it was now done for other than Allah Ta'ala this became shirk. Where did this become shirk from? Because the absence of this ihsan. Well known hadith about on the day of Qiyamah Allah Ta'ala will call up a person who was very generous person who became a martyr person who was granted the knowledge of being each one will be asked that what do you do? Each one will say, Allah, I used this money and wealth you gave me in your path. I gave my life in your path. I was disseminating the knowledge for you. And the answer will be, you are lying. All this was done for something else. It was done so people may regard you as a very generous person, regard you as a very great person, regard you as a very knowledgeable person. And all this was just in waste now and gone in vain. And these are the people who will be used to kindle the fire of Jannah. Now can you imagine such great amal? And the person is being used to kindle the fire of Jannah which shows that these are the worst of. What happened? The absence of Ihsan. So the third question that Jibreel Sallallahu Alaihi asked, Mal Ihsan, Allah Zubin replied, Anta Abdullah ka'innaka tarah, fa in lam takun tarahu fa innahu yara. Ihsan is this, that you worship Allah Ta'ala in such a way as if Allah is watching, as if you can see Allah Ta'ala. As if you can see Allah Ta'ala. Now a person says, but I can't see Allah Ta'ala. So how can I be expected to now perform ibadat in that way? So the second part is actually the answer. But if you cannot see Allah Ta'ala, then too it doesn't really matter and it doesn't and should not affect the perfection of ibadat in any way. Because the conviction you should have all the time is فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاهُ Allah Ta'ala is watching you. Like a person who is working somewhere and the boss is behind some one-way mirror. He is aware that the boss can see him. He can't see the boss. A person is driving and suddenly is slamming the brakes. Why? Because his speed camera is here. So, he can't see who's the person behind the camera somewhere. That person may be watching him, if it's some light. But the fact and the conviction that he has that he is being watched, that changes the way he conducts himself. Whether he can see who's watching him, that doesn't matter. 
The fact that he is aware that he is being watched, that is what changes the whole thing. So the conviction that Allah Ta'ala is watching all the time, Allah is aware, Allah Ta'ala knows, Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eye and what the heart conceals. This is what should make the whole difference in him. So this ihsan, developing this consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, this is a very fundamental part of being and this entire branch of effort of being known as Tazkiya, Ihsan, Tasawwuf, the whole object is to develop this Ihsan. Whole object of this effort is to develop this consciousness of Allah. That whether a person is in public, whether he is in private, privacy, whether he is in his house, whether he is in his business, whether he is in the masjid, whether he is out on the street, whether he is in a wedding or whether he is in a funeral. He is all the time conscious of Allah. And because of this consciousness, it now directs him what to do, what not to do. What he should be doing, what he should be refraining from. All the time conscious of Allah. So when this consciousness develops, then this public and private distinction no more remains for him. That now I am public, so now I can I have to conduct myself in a certain way. And now I'm alone, I'm behind closed doors, who's watching now? So I can do what I want. That distinction between public and private doesn't matter to him anymore. He is now forever conscious that Allah is watching. Allah is aware. So he doesn't look around behind himself to see the over his shoulder is anybody around. He doesn't draw the curtains to block off anybody's view because I want to do something away from people's knowledge. Allah is aware they don't block that off. One person came to Ibrahim bin Adhamahtulare, he said that I just cannot refrain from sinning. This is something beyond me. I should this is something that I should not be now held accountable for because you are. I must be given the permission to sin. So sorry, okay, fine. But this much that if you want to sin, go ahead, sin. But don't do it on Allah Ta'ala's earth. Earth belongs to Allah Ta'ala. Now you're going to sin, you're going to sin against Allah Ta'ala. So you go somewhere else. Besides the earth of Allah. Yeah, but where can I go? Is there anywhere besides the earth of Allah? Ta'ala? It's okay under the sky. Don't do it under the sky of Allah. We'll do it somewhere else. So, okay, don't do it where Allah Ta'ala will be watching. Go do it wherever you want, but don't do it where Allah Ta'ala will be watching. See, but Allah Ta'ala is watching everywhere. So, okay, then just do this much. That make sure that when the angel of death comes, and tell him just hold on, I still got to go and repent. So you just go now, come back later. So that when the angel of death comes, nobody can delay us. That appointed moment comes, and that appointed moment comes, a person is gone, he can't delay that for one second. Okay, then somehow this will work it out that when the angel Angels come to question you in the grave, then you tell them to leave me alone. I 
I'm not, I'm not subjected to your questioning. See, but you can't do that. You can't escape that. The day of Qiyamah, then you work your own, own plan, you can't work a plan on that day. He says, well, then what are you up to? Allah Ta'ala's earth, and Allah Ta'ala's sky, Allah Ta'ala can watch you, Allah Ta'ala is aware of everything, you can't delay the moment of death, and you still want to sin, Allah Ta'ala's ni'mas and bounties, even told him, okay, don't eat Allah Ta'ala's food, do something else. So I can't provide the don't the food Allah Ta'ala provided. So all the time, a person who is conscious of Allah Ta'ala, he is conscious of all these things. Allah Ta'ala is watching, Allah Ta'ala is aware. I cannot do anything out of the knowledge of Allah. So when this ihsan develops, and this is the whole effort, to develop this consciousness of Allah. But now a person is forever conscious, when he uttered something, one Sayyidina Abu Bakr somebody walked in, and they see him holding onto his tongue, and he's hugging onto his tongue, and he's saying, Inna hadha qad awradani al-mahalik. This is the tongue that has put me to so many difficulties and put me to calamities. Let's ask him, but what is this all about? He says, no, this tongue slips up. It might have been something which we might still regard as a very great thing, he said. The Sahaba Iran chastised themselves for the minutest thing, which for us is still like a very major good deal. Hazrat Hanzala just merely detected a little change in the condition of his consciousness or that, that high peak of Imam that he felt in the direct company of Rasulullah when he went home he didn't feel that high peak what was the fatwa he gave against himself? Nafaqa Hanzala Hanzala has become a munafiq what a fatwa he gave against himself on what? that that peak of Imam like a person now the 27th of Ramadan and he's at the Kaaba Sharif and he's at Multazam. Can you imagine now? 27th Ramadan, he's right at Multazam. And he's got the place for himself. And he's crying his heart out there. Now that peak of Iman that he feels in that moment, it's not possible to expect the same all the time. That is a special time, special place, special moment. So he feels a certain peak. Now he will come, let alone back home, when he finally finishes off there and he comes back to his own room to, that peak is not going to be felt all the time. But the Hanzala radiallahu at that moment he didn't feel that same peak that he felt in the company of Rasulullah's house directly. He felt this is already a major time. And he comes out of his house saying, Nafaka Hanzala. Hanzala has become a munafiq. Whereas we cope it sometimes major sins, it doesn't create any tremor in the heart. Person committed so much of zina with his eyes from one walk from one end to the other, and then he still comes and carry on because nobody apparently saw what went on in the corner of his eyes what he was doing. Apparently nobody saw his piety shooting get affected in any way. Person made ribbon sometimes for whole hour he was making ribbon. And then a person is Muslim, he is performing his salah, is then with his tasbih. His piety still didn't get affected, whereas he committed such a major crime, such a major sin, which Allah Ta'ala describes to give as an example, Allah Ta'ala says, like eating the flesh of one's dead brother. Most of us passed away, what happened after a while? The body starts decaying. Now, that decaying flesh, can you imagine that decaying flesh, somebody is going to bite out of it? 
His heart gets filled with a thousand griefs. What happened? How did this get there? I missed my tasbih today. Otherwise, if that is missing a person, missing his first salah also, he doesn't think anything. doesn't perturb him in the least. He committed jina with his eyes and nothing happened. He's tired, he's still there. He performed the salah, he performed the next salah. So in between what he did now, what it matters. That doesn't affect him in any way. If this ihsan missing, then nothing affects. Like the example that we often quote is the example of one is the scale on which gold is weighed. Jonah's scale on which gold is weighed. Once borrowed one scale to just weigh something for zakat purposes so that oh, somebody in case that scale, a small little scale, we weigh gold on it. Very, very sensitive. We heard about this, we tried it out, that if you breathe a little hard, it will weigh that bread also. So we did that, it was a digital scale, it started, figures started moving. Zero comma zero, whatever. But just the breath, let alone anything on it, there was nothing on it. Just breathing hard on the scale, it's weighing the breath. So how sensitive that is? So only that sensitive scale, that the heart becomes so sensitive. That the slightest thing goes out of line, immediately those figures are moving. And the other is like a weight bridge. Till one whole super limb doesn't come on it, the needle doesn't move. One whole car comes onto it, it's not, it's not good enough, it's too light, too light. We carry on. One big truck must come on it, then the thing will start registering. So our hearts, unfortunately, our spiritual selves, is like that weight bridge. It's there, but till something very major doesn't happen, it can nothing happen. Whereas there are big, big things happening, Big big logs are now being put onto that, but it's not resistance because that scale is no more, scale is now a weightage. And the Ahmunda, their hearts, like the Sahaba Ikram, it's like more sensitive than that scale that weighs that gold. But one slight thing he said which was not the best, not anything wrong with it. And this is something that is the reality. It's not that they said something wrong. He once addressed the Tabi'een, people after that zamana. He had a very long life, the people that had come after his addressing them and he said to them that innakum nata'amaluna a'amalan ya adakku fi a'ayunikum minasha'ar If you do some, some actions which is more insignificant in your sight than a hair. So we are, Something is, hey, lying down this, blow away, where this hair comes from. This is how insignificant it is to you. Whereas, kunna na'udduhu ala ahdi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam min al-mubiqat. The same type of action which you regard so insignificant, in the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we used to regard this as something that will destroy us. So serious. Would you regard it so to you? That too must have been something which was like on a makru, maybe makru a tanzi category. Maybe even lesser than that too. Something maybe, somebody must have thought of this or something. But the Sahaba al-Quran would regard it as very serious. Since we regard it as trivial. So likewise, what happens is that when this ihsan is not there, 
the big, big, major sins also get regarded as trivial. And good deeds, great good deeds, that too gets taken for granted. Doesn't happen, doesn't happen, what's the difference? And when this ihsan is there, now the slightest thing that happens, something out of line, a person can't rest. <coughs> and every good deed that he can try and perform, he regards it as a great opportunity. I can't let this go by. Whatever he can do, how much he can do. Every possible thing that he can try and manage and do, he wants to do it. He can't manage to do something, he feels that regret. I wish I could do this one. And this regret is a very great thing. This regret on even not being able to do the many good deeds. This too is a great thing within a person that he regrets that he can't do something. Good. So Abdullah bin Mubarak, great hadith, great fatih, great mujahid, person of a very high caliber. Books of hadith are filled with his narrations. After he passed away, somebody saw him in a dream. Asked him, how did things go? Everything went right fine. So, uh, he says, Alhamdulillah, everything went well. But I envy the rent of that blacksmith that lived across my house. The iron monger blacksmith who used to work at iron. I envy his rent. So this person woke up with a dream after all. But this dream seems to be like, there's some message in it. Because you get all kinds of dreams, you get true dreams, you get dreams of very clear messages in it. Maybe Islam would often ask the Sahaba after Fajr Salah, anybody saw a dream, you would then interpret it, give the interpretation. He said, there seems to be some message, I need to find out. Such a great personality, Abdullah bin Mubarak, and he's envying the rank of that blacksmith that live in front of, across his house. So he journeyed all the way to Abdullah bin Mubarak, house. He cried from somebody where Abdullah bin Mubarak lives. He said, no, he passed away. He said, okay, I know he passed away. Where does he live? So he said, well, so in so place he lives, he used to live there. Any blacksmith, he says, well, there was a blacksmith that used to live across his house. That person passed away also. So now there's something fitting in. There's some reality behind this. So he comes to the house of that blacksmith. Finds out where's that house. So he knocks on the door. And the lady answers from behind the door. Is this so and so's house? Blacksmith that lived here? He says, yes. Please tell me what your husband used to do. What was his amal, something special about him? He says, well, he was an ordinary person. He used to do his work the whole day. And he used to fulfill all his obligations of being. Nothing special about him. So then he related his dream. That I am sure that there was something very special about him. And there is some message in this. So she thought about it and said, well, if you are asking now, this is what you are saying. Then what comes to mind is that, who knows, maybe Allah Ta'ala blessed him on this. Number one, he was an iron monger, a blacksmith. Now in those days, everything was done manually. So a person, for example, now making some utensil out of iron, saw, whatever, he has to hold a piece of steel into that fire until it is red hot. And then while it is still red hot, then you have to quickly stamp it. And it's a very difficult thing to be standing there, right in front of the fire, and standing for that amount of time that this iron gets red hot. 
And then before it cools down, quickly just cap it into the shape that is desired. So you see, he used to be busy with this, and sometimes it would happen that he has just now just held this iron for so long in that furnace, it's now red hot, ready to be stamped, and he sticked up that mallet to start stamping it. And the mallet had been raised, and the azan starts. He would drop that mallet from there and says, the Muazzin of my Rabb has called, I cannot do anything further now. I will answer the call of the Muazzin. And he would immediately proceed for Salah. This was his habit, and this was his way. That as soon as the Azam was called, now, outwardly he would see, like, let's get this quickly done now, there's no time. Azam started, but now all the effort that has gone into holding this and the difficulty, so quickly get this one thing done, and then go. But he wouldn't wait for that. This can happen later on. Now the Muslim has called, now direct to the Muslim. <laughs> he would drop that right from there and now proceed. This was the one thing. And the other thing is we were talking about this regret and the sorrow that I am not able to do that good. See, the other thing was that he would come home every day after Isha Salah and across the house, across the road from us was the Dabi Mubarakatullah. And in the summer nights, he would stand on the roof of his house, like a roof garden, and he would make, perform salah and ibadat the whole night. So my husband would come home after Isha, and he would make some ibadat for a short while, whatever ibadat he could. Then he would come out of the house, or look out of the window, across the road, and then out of Baraka, busy in ibadat. And then he would say, Ya Allah, I am a weak person the whole day I was busy working and now tomorrow I will work again and I'm tired I will go back to sleep because otherwise I won't manage tomorrow I wish I could also do what Abdullah in Mubarak would do that he is engaging the whole night in your ibadat Allah I am not able to do this and I am not in that capacity but I wish I could have done this and you will go to bed with this regrets that he is not able to fulfill that amount of ibadat and perform the whole night of ibadat like Abdullah bin Umar. Now that regret was so sincere, that feeling was so deep. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with the rank higher than the person who was making the ibadat. The person who was making the ibadat got a big rank also. The person with the regret that he couldn't do it got a higher rank. So this is a, now where all this comes from, it comes back to the same root. Why would a person feel this regret, that I couldn't do this good? Why would he feel that regret that this mistake happened? That he must be stakbir ula, he is now disturbed. Whereas sometimes, the whole salah has become qaza, it didn't matter. And now the stakbir ula, he must, is affecting him. What it comes back to, the same ihsan. And to the extent this ihsan is developed, that this whole thing will become a reality. So, this, just like Imam is a foundation, together with Imam, Islam has to be in place, this ihsan has to be in place. And just as a person has to make an effort to learn Islam, we send our children to Maktab the whole day, every day they wait in two hours, three hours, then at home, and there's so many other programs that take place to teach adults teach children, teach us about zakat, all the laws of zakat, person is going for hajj, he has to come, learn 
how to perform the Hajj correctly, the month of Ramadan from the Messiah, I talked to us, from the Jummah platform, we are learning something, we will take some kitab and read it. There's a lot of effort that goes into learning Islam. All this is Islam. Person is getting married, how to conduct his married life in a correct way. Person is starting a business, how to conduct his business life, is his dealings correct. All this is learned. Likewise, Ihsan is learned. How to develop this Ihsan is learned from the Ahadullah of the Mashayat. And this has to be learned, this has to be acquired. It is not something like Iman, you can't press a button. Iman, the sacrifices to be made to develop that Iman. To develop this Ihsan also sacrifices are required. And there's a learning process. It's something that happens over time. It happens in the right environment. It happens in the right company. It happens with the effort and sacrifice. So this Ihsan is something that we have to become conscious about, that we have to be learning this Ihsan. We're making an effort to acquire this Ihsan and to be going in the right places, to the right company, to acquire it. This is something that, unfortunately, many a times we are not even aware that there is something like Ihsan to be acquired. And if they are aware that effort is not made, or that focus is not there towards it, so this month of Ramadan, together with all the other things, this too should become something part of our focus of life. That we need to acquire it. Allah Ta'ala gives me also topic, and all of us topic. فآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهل ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا ولمنا أنفسنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكون من الخاسرين لا إله إلا الله الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبا برحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدعنا ذنبك إلا غفرته ولا حمدك إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك برمك إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أكرم الأكرمين يا راحم البساكين يا أرحم الراحمين إله العالم يا الله وقصصك الله وسخان وسريشيس وسلجيس وسخطشيس الله إله العالم يا الله يا الله يا الله يا جبوسك وسلمت يا الله يا الله بيكون يقول لسنجي كبرت يا الله يا الله يزدادي جدًا بنيوم يا الله يا الله يقول إيه اللي بيجي بيه بيه يا الله ولا هو بيه Ya Allah, thought about Ya Allah, every thought that has crossed our mind and heart, you are aware of Ya Allah. La Allah, Ya Allah, we acknowledge everything we have done, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we acknowledge the sins of the day and night, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, what we did deliberately, what we did mistakenly, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we have sincerely, Ya Allah, we pray for this Mubarak day, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, this Mubarak day, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we are sincerely making Toba, Ya Allah, that we regret what we have done, Ya Allah. We have given up whatever the evils are, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we sincerely resolve whatever the property is again, Ya Allah. Ila Allah, forgive all our sins, Ya Allah. Forgive all we may find the sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the sins that we have committed deliberately and mistakenly, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive all families, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive all friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire Ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, show your Mahfirat of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, show your Mahfirat of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, show your Mahfirat of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive one of all, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us all, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us all, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us all, Ya Allah. 
ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعانك به نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين الحمد لله رب العالمين